We'll read Deuteronomy 16, verses 16 through 17. It says, All your males are to appear three times a year before Yahweh your Mighty One in the place He chooses at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of booths. No one is to appear before Yahweh empty-handed. Everyone must appear with a gift suited to his means. According to the blessing Yahweh your Mighty One has given you, I'd like to read one more verse to begin with in Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10. I have it there on the screen. It says, Honor Yahweh with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. We spend our money on things that we need and on things that we enjoy. If I'm walking through a store and I see something that catches my eye, especially if I'm walking through an antique shop and I see something that I like, I immediately pick it up, I look it over, and the next thing you know, I'm checking to see what the price tag says. And if I have the money, I make a purchase because I like it. If there's something I want to eat, I buy it. If there's something I want to drink, I buy it. If there's something that I know my wife would love to have, and I see it, and I have the money, I get it for her to make her happy. Tisha and I have been off places, and we see something that we know one of our children would enjoy having, and we buy that for them. We spend our money on all of these things, and that is okay to do so long as, so long as we first honor Yahweh with our wealth. We just read moments ago from Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10. Honor Yahweh with your wealth and with the best or the first. That word can be translated either way, best or first, from the Hebrew. Part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. The verse teaches that when we first honor Yahweh with what we work for, he will make sure that we are provided for and not just provided for, but blessed with an abundance. I love the old Methodist Adam Clark's comments on verse 9. He writes this, quote, It would be well to give a portion of the produce of every article by which we get our support to God, or to the poor, the representatives of Christ. This might be done either in kind or by the worth in money. Whatever God sends us in the way of secular prosperity, there is a portion of it always for the poor and for God's cause. When that portion is thus disposed of, the rest is sanctified. When it is withheld, God's curse is upon the whole. Give to the poor and God will give to thee. End of quote. The same principle is found in the book of Malachi. In Malachi chapter 3, we have a chapter that preachers today usually like to go to in order to promote people digging deep in their pockets until it hurts and giving to them and to their ministry. And I do believe that the text in Malachi has been abused by hireling preachers that are greedy for your money. And if you think that I'm harsh for saying that, I want to point out that the New Testament says in at least five places that pastors or elders, same office, two different words, pastors or elders, are not to be greedy for money. If you read the King James Version, it says greedy of filthy lucor. Lucor is reference to gain or to money. 
A man that is greedy for money was disqualified from being an overseer or a deacon in the congregation. However, and we have to be so careful with this, we should never allow the abuse of something to turn us away from the proper use. Sometimes we see texts of Scripture abused so badly on one side that we swing all the way over to the other side, to the other extreme, and we miss the truth of the verse in the middle because we don't want to get anywhere close to the abuse. But never let the abuse of something turn you away from its proper use. So we have a case in point in Malachi 3 which speaks of robbing Yahweh of tithes and of offerings. There were people in Malachi's day that were robbing Yahweh, stealing from Yahweh, by not bringing their tithes and their contributions, offerings, into the storehouse. See, the tithes, which literally means 10%, literally tenths, was to be brought of the agriculture and the livestock of the Israelites. 10% of all the barley, all the wheat, and the rest of the crops belonged to the Levite tribe, one tribe in Israel that did not go out to work. 10% of all the livestock also, along with the agriculture, belonged to the Levite tribe. So all the other 11 tribes, they would work, they would farm, they would raise animals, and 10% of everything went to the Levite tribe. The Levites received the tithes from the other tribes because their job was to work in the priesthood, the tabernacle, and the teaching and pastoral ministry in the nation of Israel. Now, in Malachi's day, the prophet Malachi that we just read, in his day, many of the Levites had to go back to work. They had to go work on their own because the tithes and the contributions were not being brought by the nation of Israel. We read about this in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah 13, 10 through 14. Which, by the way, if you do Bible study, Nehemiah and Malachi overlap in time. The prophet Malachi did his prophecy during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. You can study that on your own. Nehemiah 13, 10 through 14, New Living Translation says, I also discovered that the Levites had not been given their prescribed portions of food. So they and the singers, which by the way were Levites, who were to conduct the worship services, had all returned to work their fields. I immediately confronted the leaders and demanded, Why has the temple of the Almighty been neglected? Then I called all the Levites back again and restored them to their proper duties. And once more, all the people of Judah began to bring their tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the temple storerooms. I assigned supervisors for the storerooms. Shelemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, Padiah one of the Levites, and I appointed Hanan, son of Zakur, and grandson of Matanya as their assistant. These men had an excellent reputation, and it was their job to make honest distributions to their fellow Levites. Remember this good deed, O my Almighty, and do not forget all that I have faithfully done for the temple of my Almighty and its services. The prophet Malachi, once again, he lived during the time of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah 13, 10 through 14 is what Malachi 3, 7 through 12 is about. The Levites were being neglected because the tithes were not being paid properly. Let's read Malachi 3, 7 through 12 and let's see what Yahweh says here. Verse 7, Malachi chapter 3. Since the days of your fathers you have turned from my statutes, you have not kept them. 
Return to me, and I will return to you, says Yahweh of hosts. But you ask, how can we return? Now we could sit here and we could come up with many ways that we could return to Yahweh. But Yahweh specified a particular way that the nation could return to Him here. And this way, out of all the ways that we could think, out of all the commandments we could come up with, the way that He told them to return to Him, and He'll return to them, notice He said, if you do this, then I will do this. Okay, so that's a two-part covenant there. You do your part, I'll do my part. The way that He said to return to Him was to honor Him with their wealth. Or we might say to honor Him with their finances. Verse 8, Will a man rob the Almighty? Yet you are robbing me. You ask, how do we rob you? By not making the payments of 10% and the contributions. You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Yahweh tells the Israelites that they're robbing him by not paying the tithe, that's the produce and the livestock, and the contributions, and the contributions included free will offerings, both animal sacrifices, silver, gold, and other material that could be brought for the tabernacle to furnish it. He told the nation they were under a curse because they were holding back the portion of their wealth that belonged to him. Ten percent of their wealth didn't belong to them. That belonged to Yahweh. And they're under a curse because they're not giving it. They're actually robbing from Yahweh. Verse 10. Bring the full ten percent into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says Yahweh of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Now I find it fascinating that Yahweh says here, Test me in this way and see. Test me, Yahweh says. Try me out and see if I will not bless you if you obey me. Do what I've told you and see if a blessing doesn't follow. In this case, opening the floodgates of heaven... That actually equals rain upon the land. That's what it means to open heaven's floodgates in the Bible. You can read about that in Genesis when the flood came upon the earth. Yahweh would send back the rain if they brought the tithe. And the rain would do what? It would bless the agriculture and the animals. And the Israelites and their stuff would be healthy and it would prosper. But when the Israelites withheld their tithes and their offerings, Yahweh withheld the rain, he closed the windows of heaven, and the agriculture and livestock fell under the curse of no water. No water upon the land, the land is cursed. Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your ground, and your vine in your field will not be barren, says Yahweh of hosts. Then all the nations will consider you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says Yahweh of hosts. So, the text is clear. And there's no need for us to be scared of it because greedy prosperity preachers have abused it. And they have. And I know, I don't want to hear them say out of one side of their mouth, the law has been done away with, and then out of the other side of their mouth, but not the tithing law. I don't like that any more than you do, right? That's inconsistent. So prosperity preachers have abused the Scriptures, right? But don't let the abuse turn you away from the proper use. The text is still clear. The fact remains that the principle of giving and receiving is taught in Malachi chapter 3. Now, I realize that we don't have Levites today 
And I realize that most of us don't farm for a living or even own livestock. But that does not negate the principle that is taught in Malachi 3. What's taught in Malachi 3 is the same principle that's taught in Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10. If a person honors Yahweh with their wealth, Yahweh will bless that person in abundance. Look with me now to the passage that we read to begin this lesson. This is the passage that I want to share with you concerning the Passover. Now last week I taught on purifying and sanctifying for the Passover. This is a Passover message as well. But this message is about honoring Yahweh with your wealth, not just in general, which we should do, but also at the Passover, specifically at the Passover, not to the neglect of all of the feast times, the annual feasts. But I want to share this passage with you in order to bless you. That's why I want to share it with you, in order to bless you. I do not want to keep this blessing to myself. I want you to get in on the blessing too. Deuteronomy 16, 16 through 17 says this, All your males are to appear three times a year before Yahweh, your mighty one, in the place that he chooses. Let me stop here for a second. I want to clear something up. When Yahweh says all of your males, he is not excluding females. Now I know that the feminists in our land would love to grab a hold to a verse like this and they would love to run with it and say that Yahweh is against women. Notice he mentions males. He doesn't say anything about females. He's against women. Although many of them today, I don't know whether they even believe they're women anymore to start with, right? People say, that, you know, you can't assume somebody's gender anymore, so that's kind of backwards, but we know all that is really just totally anti-Scripture. But that's not what the verse means. When he says all your males, he's not excluding the females. If you have your Bible, if you back up just a couple of verses from here, same chapter, verses 14 through 15 in Deuteronomy 16, Yahweh says that at His feast, you, speaking to the men, are to rejoice with your son and your daughter. What is your daughter? She's a female, isn't she? See, she's at the feast too with her dad. It also mentions your male and your female servants rejoicing with you at the feast. Female. It also mentions the widow, which is a female. Track with me now. It's a female. Females attended Yahweh's feasts. Later in the same book, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verses 10 through 13, Yahweh says that when the law is read out loud in the sabbatical year at the Feast of Tabernacles, which is one of the three times in the year, Yahweh says that the men... The women, the children, and the foreigners are to be there to listen and learn and follow. See, so Yahweh is not anti-woman. Yahweh specifies the males in Deuteronomy 16, 16 because the male was the leader of the home. The male was to be the guide, the example, the one who led the family to the feast. The family followed in the footsteps of the one who guided them. And a righteous father, a righteous dad, most often, not always, but most often led to a righteous family. And an unrighteous father most often led to an unrighteous family. So let's read beginning in Deuteronomy 16, 16 again. 
It says, all your males are to appear three times a year before Yahweh your Mighty One in the place He chooses. And there are many places, plural, that Yahweh chooses in the Scriptures. A lot of people don't know this, but in the Ten Commandments, people think that the place that Yahweh chooses is only Jerusalem. And that's just not true. Here we go again. Like Brother Arnold said, we need to read our Bibles. In the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 24, it talks about the places that Yahweh records His name. He says, in every place that I record my name, when you do these things, I will come to you and bless you. And how many know that when the Israelites first came into the land of Canaan, the land that they were promised, the central place of worship was not Jerusalem. It was a place called Shiloh. But Yahweh removed His name from Shiloh and then placed it in Jerusalem for a time. But we know that Yeshua, in John chapter 4, when He spoke with a Samaritan woman, He said, there's coming an hour when you will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, but you won't worship Him on Mount Gerizim or in Jerusalem. For the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Meaning in every location where I establish, where I put my name. So, the males appear before Yahweh the Mighty One in the place that He chooses, and here's the three times. He mentions the three times. One, the festival of unleavened bread. That's Passover slash unleavened bread. Passover kicks off that feast. Two, the festival of weeks, otherwise known as Pentecost. And three, the festival of booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles. Those are the three times in the year. And then, he says, no one is to appear before Yahweh empty-handed. Everyone must appear with a gift suited to his means according to the blessing Yahweh your Mighty One has given you. I want you to take note of that last part of verse 16 and 17. No one is to appear before Yahweh empty-handed. And then verse 17 specifies this, as a gift suited to his means according to the blessing Yahweh has given you. Verse 17 in the New Living Translation reads, All must give as they are able. The Good News Translation reads, as he is able in proportion to the blessings that Yahweh has given him. Are you catching this? There is no set amount commanded here in Deuteronomy 16. This is a gift that a man brings to the feast according to the way that Yahweh has blessed him since the last feast. Now, Passover and unleavened bread is the first commanded feast of the three times of the year. So after the fall feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, the man goes back to his business and however much Yahweh blesses that man financially from fall to spring, that man is to bring a gift to Yahweh. He's commanded to bring a gift to Yahweh at the next annual feast. Yahweh says, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. Other scriptures show that this gift can be used to buy food, wine, For the feast, to bless the ministry, to bless the widows, the orphans, or the poor. I want you to remember that Deuteronomy 16.16 says, No one is to appear before Yahweh empty-handed. Empty-handed means you show up to the feast, but you have no gift. You have no gift. Yahweh has certainly blessed each of us in some capacity since the last feast. But you show up to the feast and you are empty-handed. You have no gift to bring. Yahweh doesn't want His people attending His feast without bringing something. And not just any something, 
But he says, bring something in proportion to the way that Yahweh has blessed you. Now in our day and time, let's meditate upon this. Let's say that a man made $10,000 between the Feast of Tabernacles, that's in the fall, and Passover in the spring. And let's say that that man that made that $10,000, he shows up to the Passover and the gift that he brings is a box of tea bags. I think you're catching my point here. A box of tea bags doesn't cost that much. That doesn't have a whole lot of value. And while it might be a proportionate gift for someone who is poor, there could be a man in Israel that that's all he has. That's how Yahweh's blessed him. And so he brings that, and you know what? Yahweh will look upon that. If that's in proportion to the way that man's been blessed, Yahweh will look upon that gift as a beautiful gift. But not to the man who has more to bring, who has more to give. And we can't fool Yahweh. He knows if I bring a box of tea bags to the Passover, Yahweh knows, Matthew, I blessed you more than for you to show up with a box of tea bags. I blessed you more since Tabernacles than for you to show up with a bag of rice. I blessed you more than that, Matthew. Yahweh knows that. We can't fool Yahweh, right? He knows better than that. So now, we get back to my starting point about honoring Yahweh with our wealth. I realize that to give of our finances is not always an easy thing. Because we feel like if we give our money to the assembly or to a needy widow or to a minister of Yahweh or to a poor brother or sister in need, then we won't have that money to use for ourselves. Sometimes we feel that way. Well, I've got to hold on to this. I need this because I owe this or I owe that. But Yahweh says a portion of what we earn belongs to Him. But if we hoard everything that Yahweh has blessed us with, you know what we're doing? We're robbing Yahweh. We're stealing from Yahweh when we keep all of what we earn. We're not honoring Yahweh with our wealth. We're instead appearing before Yahweh empty-handed. And that's a transgression of His law. Deuteronomy 16, 16-17. Imagine showing up before Yahweh, the great king. He's a great king. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. Imagine showing up before him, de facto, and not bringing a gift. Even the wise men, when Yeshua was born, the wise men that met him in the houses later after his birth, but they brought gold, a precious metal, frankincense and myrrh, precious oils. Why? Because they were showing up before a king, the king of the Judahites. You don't show up before Yahweh without bringing a gift. If we bring no gift when we show up before Yahweh, we're not honoring Yahweh with our wealth. We may think that we're blessing ourselves more, but in reality we're cursing ourselves more. Now here's where I want to be careful in my speech. I am not preaching a modern-day prosperity message when I say this. You know, you can use the Bible to justify prosperity theology in three easy steps. Step one, get your Bible out. Step two, find a lighter. And step three, just light the pages that you don't want to believe and you just believe whatever you want to believe. That's how you can justify that theology. David, you find that funny, don't you, Bubba? I hate, I loathe prosperity theology. This is why. Because it ignores the sum of Yahweh's Word. It takes only portions of His Word and ignores the rest. 
Now, in this sermon today, I'm not saying that you will never go through hard times, that you'll never get sick, or you'll never have problems. That's what prosperity theology teaches. That's what Kenneth Copeland and Gloria Copeland and Creflo Dollar and Benny Hinn and Joseph Prince, that's what they all teach. You're never supposed to get sick. You're never supposed to have any problems. You're never supposed to go through any hard times or any afflictions. That's an unbiblical teaching because we see multiple examples of Yahweh's people suffering in Scripture and learning from their sufferings. I've got Psalm 34 up on the screen that says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but Yahweh delivers them out of them all. There's deliverance coming, but the afflictions are also there. The old Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorites, he once said this, quote, Those who dive into the sea of affliction bring up rare pearls, end of quote. Yahweh teaches us things when we go through hard times. As a matter of fact, just after Yahweh says in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, Honor me with your wealth, your barns will be filled with grain, and your, your wine presses will overflow with wine. The very next two verses say this, My child, don't reject Yahweh's discipline, and don't be upset when He corrects you, for Yahweh corrects those He loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom He delights. And I could go on and on and on with Bible verses. And I'm a Bible verse man. I love Bible verses. I've got to have a Bible verse for what I believe. I could go on and on with Bible verses that teach that Yahweh molds us and shapes us into what He would have us to be. And one of the main ways He does it is through trials and hardships and afflictions. That's when we learn. And we don't realize that Yahweh's teaching us when we're going through it it's not until we get through the tunnel and we look back and we say, I could have never known what I know now if I hadn't went through what I went through then. Amen. Can you get with me? You see what I'm saying? That's how Yahweh Moses. You dive, as Spurgeon said, you dive into the deep waters of affliction and you go through trials and hardships and tests and calamities, but you come up with rare pearls that not everybody has because everybody hasn't went through that. He molds you and shapes you. He's the potter, we're the clay. He knows what's best for us. He doesn't mold us and shape us all the same way. He knows that what Brother Dan may need, I may not need. And what I may need, Brother Dan may not need. But nevertheless, He molds us and shapes us. So I'm not teaching the false prosperity doctrine, but behind every counterfeit, there's a true. There's a true prosperity doctrine. There's a true prosperity theology. That's what I'm teaching tonight. And I think what happens is sometimes we get so scared of the abuse that we turn away from the proper use. See, the Bible verses are still there. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 still says what it says. Malachi 3, 7 through 12 says what it says. We will be blessed, financially blessed, materially blessed, when we honor Yahweh with our wealth. Yahweh will bless you. And the reason I speak of financial blessings is because Yahweh speaks of financial blessings. In Proverbs 3.10, it says, Your storehouse will be full of grain, and your wine press will overflow with wine. Don't you think that that was financial for the ancient Israelites? That was their way of life. They were agrarians. Malachi 3.10-12 speaks of Yahweh pouring out a blessing that you cannot measure, not ruining the produce of your ground, and all the nations will cause Israel blessed. Blessed how? Blessed materially. Blessed financially. That's what that passage is saying. So brothers and sisters, Yahweh will take care of you. And not only take care of you, will give you surplus and an overflowing blessing if you say, I'm going to honor Him with my wealth. 
and with the best of the first part of everything that I produce. I'm not going to hold it back. I'm going to give. I'm going to give to the assembly. If I see somebody poor, I'm going to give to the poor. Brother Dan read it earlier in Proverbs 19. A loan to the poor is as though you're lending to Yahweh. You're lending to the Lord. I'm going to give some to a widow or to an orphan. I'm going to give some to a a minister. These are all ways that we can use our finances in honor to Yahweh. And then Yahweh in turn says, test me and I will bless you. Amen. Do you see that? Hallelujah. This is biblical. This is biblical. Remember, I just mentioned this. Let me say it again. Remember that it was Yahweh who said, test me in this way and see if I will not bless you. That was Almighty Yahweh that said that to the nation of Israel. You test me. Try me out and see if I won't bless you. And he was speaking about tithes and offerings. That's what Yahweh was talking about. He wasn't talking about the Sabbath. He wasn't talking about honoring your mom and dad. Those things are well and good. But in this, he was talking about tithes and offerings. That's what Yahweh was talking about. And Yahweh's commandments bring blessings. And I've given you one, one of those commandments that's specifically tied to his feasts. The three times in the year. Don't appear before him empty. Give a gift proportionate to the blessings that Yahweh has given you since the last feast. Now, I feel, Brother Matthew feels, that I've neglected this commandment in my own life. And so I'm repenting tonight in front of the congregation. I feel I've neglected this commandment. I've done some, but I can do better. I can do more. I haven't done according to the proportion that Yahweh has blessed me with. And that's what Yahweh says. You give that gift according to how Yahweh has blessed you since the last feast. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 says that Ezra prepared his heart to study the law, to practice the law, and to teach the law. And I want to be like Ezra. But I feel that I have neglected teaching this commandment to the congregation. I'm ashamed of that. And in neglecting to teach this commandment to you, I have robbed you from the blessing of Yahweh. And today I repent of that in front of you and I ask you to forgive me and I'm trying to correct my error in this sermon and believe this commandment of Yahweh in Deuteronomy 16. What I have done in the past is exactly what I preach against. I've let the abuse of this teaching by greedy televangelists turn me away from the proper use of this teaching. I now see that I have done that and I want you to see the biblical teaching and principle of giving and receiving. I'm talking about materially and financially. That's what this sermon is about. There's other ways Yahweh can bless us. He can bless us in our health. He can bless us with good friends, good parents, good spouses, good children. He can bless us in many ways, but this sermon and these Bible verses are about financial blessings and material blessings. And I'm not afraid of these verses because they're in the Bible. So I have no reason to be afraid of them. Now, I'm not trying to make any money with this teaching. I'm not up here, and I'm not about to take up an offering. Most of the time, if you'd hear a message like this, they'd say, let's get out the offering basket. I went to one tent meeting with my granddaddy. I was married when I went to this tent meeting. He wanted me to go. We went. Two hours into the tent meeting, there still was no preaching. But anyhow, 
the evangelist, so-called, that was taking up an offering, he had a basket for the $5 bills. Then he had a basket for the $10 bills. Then he had a basket for the 20s and the 50s and the 100s. And they took up different individual offerings with all of them baskets. That's not what I'm up here to do. Don't you worry, I'm not about to do that. We have an offering box in the back. We don't take up an offering in this congregation. But Yahweh commands, commands you to give to Him. Not just, not just to the congregation. Not just for the lights or for the land. We have a beautiful place here to keep the feast. But also if you see somebody that's poor. And I would go so far as to say that start out with the poor in the faith. In the faith. The Bible says be good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith. Start out with the poor in the faith. And bless them. The widows, the orphans. Yahweh speaks highly of blessing them. The ministers of Yahweh. Not just saying that because I'm a minister. It goes for any true minister of Yahweh. When you bless a man of Yahweh financially, Yahweh looks highly upon that. First Timothy 5.17 says that the elders, the pastors that rule well, and they are good at preaching and they study the Bible, they're to receive double the amount that the widows, who are widows indeed, receive from the congregation. This is all scriptural. It's all biblical. But I'm not trying to make any money with this teaching. That's not my goal. I work in labor with my own hands. I'm not trying to get you to give to me. All I'm doing is trying to be faithful to Yahweh's instructions. I'm trying to be faithful to His law and faithful to His word. As a shepherd of Yahweh's people, I want to believe all of His commandments. I want to teach all of His commandments. I want to keep all of His commandments. And I want to receive in return what He has promised. And I believe that Yahweh is faithful. And I believe with all of my heart that He will bless you when you bless Him. Deuteronomy 16, 16 through 17, 16b through 17 as we close. No one is to appear before Yahweh empty-handed. Everyone must appear with a gift suited to His means, according to the blessing Yahweh your Mighty One has given you. Brothers and sisters, test Him and see. Heavenly Father, I love You, I thank You, and I praise You. I'm thankful for this congregation. I'm thankful for the people here. I believe Your Word. I believe all of it, Father. Help me to grow and study and learn so I can teach more. I want to bless you. I want to bless your people. Father, help us step out on faith, even if we feel that we can't. Help us step out on faith and give. You've blessed us all so much. You've blessed me so, so much, Yahweh. So much. More than I've ever blessed you. And I pray, Father, that you give me the strength to believe your word and to act upon my, my belief, my faith. I pray all these things through your Son, Yeshua the Messiah.